Thank you for being here today, for listening to these podcasts and sharing them with your friends. I am really grateful today to introduce you to one of my dear friends, Kelly. She is such a great influence in my life. Um, In fact, some of the um, experiences I've had with her as a friend have influenced my children so much and helped me to just be a better person because she's such a supportive friend and such a good uh, friend to seek knowledge with. In fact, that's how I met Kelly. Uh, But before I tell you all that story, I'm just going to ask Kelly if she'll just introduce herself. Tell us about you, Kelly. Hello, hello. Hello. So glad to be here. I miss you, my friend. Karen and I uh, lived in the same ward. I think we moved in, we became ward members at the same time about 22 years ago. Am I right with that? Yeah, totally. I can remember sitting while our little children, who are now adults having children, were playing soccer. Your boy and my boy were playing soccer and it started to rain and we got into, can't remember if it was my car or your car. It was your car because I didn't have a heater in my car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just remember that was the first time I met you and I just thought this girl is one of my people because she goes there. She goes there to honest places quick and just tells it like it is and isn't afraid to share that my life is real. And so I just, I, that's my first experience. I remember meeting you thinking this is a great lady that just gets that life isn't easy and you don't have to look perfect trying it <laughs> that, well that would that would describe me I definitely don't look perfect trying it but um, some things about me I um, I have three children they're all grown they're all married I have five grandchildren who are my absolute joy I take such joy in watching them grow and develop and become the people they are that that just tickles my heart when I get to spend time with them. And um, I have been married for 40 years to a husband whom I love so much. Um, One of the things that you ought to know, I guess, about me is that he suffered a massive stroke um, 10 years ago this September where he lost, literally lost half of his brain. But he's been such a miracle in his... um, life he um has been the source of um a lot of the growth that i've experienced in my life um because of this stroke i can so see how he probably chose to do this in the pre-existence just to help me and the kids get to be where we need to be because he was and is a spiritual giant and um this difficulty of dealing with his handicaps um, suffered by the stroke have really led me to be a much, much um, more earnest seeker of truth and light and help from our Heavenly Father. Um, I no longer depend on my husband, who was my everything before. I am now depending on the Lord, and I can see how perfectly that trial in my life has um, been for my benefit and our kids benefit too. 
So I think that's, that kind of wraps up who I am and what I'm about. <laughs> that's excellent. And you know, um, your, so when you and I, like we knew each other over the years and we weren't in the same ward, then we were in the same ward and they changed the boundaries and did different things. And now you live in Arizona and yes, yes, you, you live there cause it's, it's easier. I mean, it's not easier for your husband to fall there, but it's less likely that he will fall there. <laughs> yes. It's much less likely. And I'm going to be honest. I really am so happy that I did not have to shovel snow this year. Yeah. We have so much snow where we live. And so it, it, you do need a good shovel or you're in trouble. Yep. Yeah. So good. So, you know, I came to life changing services years ago because um, I had a child who really needed the sense of healing. Um, but you came to the principles taught in the like dragons did they fight book and life changing services not because you had a child that needed any services and life changing services it was had nothing to do with any problems that your kids had or anything that you were facing personally i just had had this awakening of my son is becoming this incredible warrior and these principles are talking to him in a way that none of the other resources we have sought to support him and help him to have more self-mastery um, have helped him. It's like, like night day how much this is because it's at his age appropriate level. It has so much of the spirit in it but it, it also gives this element of this, um, this awareness that, of course, we go through difficulty. Of course, people get wounds. Um, that doesn't change our identity. It's not about our performance. In fact, um, you could be so cool that Satan has his number on you. Like, you are a formidable target to the enemy. And so my son had this awakening of you are not your own worst enemy and you can get rid of this shame and start fighting the right enemy. So it woke up this warrior mentality that helped him to stop fighting himself, seeing himself as his own enemy and also to start accessing Christ's power better because the enemy was being addressed Satan was being addressed. Like now I'm being armed with information, tools, and weapons that are, I'm applying these scientific principles to the spiritual knowledge I have. And those two things together are kicking Satan's trash. And so I saw him waken to all this. Then Maurice Harker wrote his book. Before that, they just had a little teeny pamphlet book. And that's all I knew about what was going on. In, but when, I, when he wrote the book and we, I started teaching Eternal Warriors and started applying those things in my life, um, I just thought, I really want my friends 
to know this. I really want people to have this information because it has changed my life to know how to deal with my own self-mastery issues using these principles, but also it's helped me connect dots that I didn't have connected on how to live the gospel of Jesus Christ without allowing Satan to get in between you and Christ. Like I, I didn't know how to do that. And it was so helpful to know how he does that. So I called Kelly um, and just said, I'm going to start teaching this class in my house too. I've taught at other places, you know, at Farmington and different places I've held classes, but I want to teach it in my class, in my home and invite my friends. And I knew because it was about Satan, some of my friends would think, she's kind of crazy. <laughs> she's going to teach a class about Satan. And it's not about Satan. It's really about the Savior, but it's about addressing the enemy and knowing some scientific principles and how to apply them so that the Savior is so much more accessible in, in my life. So I, but you know, it's something that you have to address and in a big way in how he messes with things. And so I called you because I knew Kelly is my friend who's a seeker. And remember that she's always just been herself and she knows that life is just, it is, you just are what you are and, and we just do our best. And so you just jumped like, yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm all about learning. I'm all about that. And if anybody gives me an opportunity to learn, I'm all about learning. And I, I really, really can't even thank Karen enough for being inspired to invite me to that class because it truly has been life changing. So tell me what you noticed and um, where you were at, because you your husband had had a stroke, but it wasn't it wasn't hadn't been very long, right? Yeah, it had only been it had only been about a year and a half, about a year and a half since his stroke. But that first year and a half was all spent at, at rehab centers, just getting him to the point where he could walk and and get himself dressed and all of that. So I was just barely coming out on top of that um when you called me in but during that time i was under major attacks in my head because i had not been taught yet about how uh, not every voice in our head was a trusted voice and i was getting bombarded with thoughts of i wish he would have just died life would have been so much easier had he just died um and uh, other ugly thoughts you know like you know ugh, he's so disgusting or this is so disgusting i hate my life my life stinks you know I, is this the way things are always going to be you know there just was no joy and i just wanted out of everything and um that's not who i am mm -hmm. and I should have known that that those thoughts weren't my thoughts. I should have known that, but I didn't because it was so prevalent throughout my whole day. Just thoughts of, of this is just, I can't even fathom how um, ugly things are 
in my life. You know, I cannot believe that he's having to suffer like this. Why would the Lord make him suffer? Why would he make us suffer? Why would, you know, it was just constant barrage Mm -hmm. of negative thoughts about, I wish he would just die that. And the guilt was eating me up that I was having those thoughts that I should be so grateful that he's still with me. I should be so grateful for the opportunity to serve him and help him in this struggle that he's having. I'm in good grief. I could walk up the stairs. I could drive. I could feed myself. I could put on my socks myself. Why was I, you know, being so woe is me? It was, it was a horrible, horrible time in my life when, um, I first came to your class that made a huge, huge difference in what was happening to me. So, yeah. So tell us a little more about, about why, like not every voice in your head is a trusted voice. That was big to learn. Um, Tell us what you learned about that. Well, like I said, those thoughts just weren't indicative of me. And it was like, um, flooding a dark room with light to know that wait a minute i'm not really the one who wants or wishes that my kid died you know these are just thoughts Mm -hmm. that the that the adversary wants me to believe they're just lies and to know that i wasn't this horrible horrible person i can't even explain it how I just felt so lifted by that that one concept, and there's many other concepts that have helped me since, but that was the thing that helped me want to keep coming and learning more. The, the, the knowledge that uh, not only was this not my thought, but I don't have to keep that thought, and I have tools to help me to rid myself of all those um, attacks that I was being put under and recognizing that I had an enemy and that all those things that he was telling me that I thought were just my own thoughts weren't me. And so um, the battle began and I, I picked up the sword and learned how to fight. And life has been good because I just don't fight anymore. I crush now. I'm just a crusher now. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's um, just that principle. Not every voice in your head is a trusted voice. Um, I remember the morning you came to the class and you said, Hey, gals, um, last night I woke up in the middle of the night. And I just had these thoughts coming to my mind. And you already are um, just super creative, a great teacher, good at, at rhyming and doing, and you're just a creative person. But within, I believe it was 30 minutes, you had written down a poem. Yep, 30 minutes, and it just came. I mean, it just flowed. And it was like 2.30 in the morning, like 2 or 3 in the morning. I just like woke up, picked up the pen and started writing. <laughs> and so Kelly has written two books because when you brought that up, we were like, Kelly, 
that is like a book. That's just amazing. That that's inspired for sure. If that happened in 30 minutes, that was so, it's so good. So we kept encouraging you to, you know, to write this book. And so with your courage, you thought, all right, I'll figure it out. And, and I mean, even my daughter-in-law was your illustrator for the book. It's so beautiful. Even though and she did it. Yeah. Now I have yeah. to say this too. I tried out a different artist who could not understand, not understand what I was trying to do. And I came and I said, Karen, I don't think I can do this because I can't find an artist. Somebody's got to illustrate this. And then you sent me to Melanie and she, I didn't even have to sit down with her and tell her what I meant. She came up with this and said, what do you think? I'm like, that's exactly, it was exactly what I had in my mind that it should have been. So it, I, I feel like it was a gift for both of us to be able to, to work on that together without even having it work. I mean, having to work the Lord just for me anyway, I can't speak for Melanie, but for me, she, she was the perfect answer to my words. Her illustrations were the perfect answer to my words, God's words. They weren't really mine. So, yeah, so good. So your books, Alexander's trick and Rebecca's trick, um, written by Kelly Webster, illustrated by Melanie Broadhead, um, are sold in our Life Changing Services store. If you go to lifechangingservices.org and to our store, you can find these books. But I just wanted to read you, because uh, of course you're writing this book thinking, I need to arm people that I love, children, with this information. But here's what you wrote. My purpose in writing this book is to help empower children to thwart the negative thoughts Satan and his followers plant early in a child's life. With that being said, may I caution parents that the concepts presented here might be a little scary for younger children. A good guideline to follow is to wait until a child is at least 10 years old and has a solid foundational background about what about the war in heaven and what happened to Satan and his followers and their role here on earth. Um, like literally you wrote this book and took it to psychologists or psychiatrists saying, is this a scary book? <laughs> yes, I did. I did because I have grandchildren and like I said, they're the light of my life and I don't want to do anything that would um, damage a child. Um, my goal was to empower a child. And so I needed to make sure that I was uh, on point with what I did before I put it out there. And so the 10 year old guideline was what they gave me, that it should be 10 year olds. I, I just want to say this, that um, there have been children that have gotten this book as early as five who had no problem with the concept and done very well. Um, people in my Arizona ward have had copies of this book that have used it on the younger children and have, they, they have no problem with that um, being a scary thing. But according to um, professional psychologists, 10 is probably the, I guess what I'm trying to say, go by the spirit. If you feel inclined that your child or your grandchildren need to hear this book, um, just go by the spirit. But 
Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything to scare a child. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you think about it, like I'm just thinking of my own life experience and how early some of the lies or false beliefs that I have that I've worked on my whole life started when I was very small. Right. Um, yeah. And then once they're kind of, you know, when, once the lies told, and you um, continually are, are, you know, addressing that thought, it becomes part of how you think about yourself, about your life, about your family, about your world around you. Um, and because there's no way to defend ourselves from that, uh, my, you know, so let me read your next part of just this um, note from the author to the parents. Um, you just say, you know, here's my childhood experience and this is what I'm, why I felt strongly about this. I was 52 years old before I truly understood the concepts that are presented in this book. At a very young age, I began to believe the negative thoughts I had about myself and others and accepted them to be the truth. I've been taught all of my life about the adversary. I knew the concept that he had that he had followers. I knew he was able to tempt me to make wrong choices. Yet with his clever deception, I never really understood how much I allowed that influence. It wasn't until my husband suffered a severe stroke and the thoughts that came into my mind were so unchristlike and out of character for me that I was riddled with guilt and I began to question if these thoughts were really mine. After attending the Eternal Warriors class through Life Changing Services, directed by Maurice Harker, CMHC, and that was my class that you took, I was freed from that guilt. I finally understood that the only time we need to feel guilt about a thought is if we choose to embrace it and make it ours. Yep. And I don't, I don't, I'm getting really good at that. Nope, that's not my thought. Goodbye. Yeah, so good. Don't have to keep that one. And you start your book with just this, you you dedicate it, the Alexander, to your grandsons and the Rebecca book to your granddaughters. But um, I'm looking in the Alexander book right now and it says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Second Corinthians 2.12. Do you have a favorite page in here that just makes you feel like, I love that page. It's fun. It's one of my favorites. I love the part. And I'll tell you why after. I love the part in the book where, where it talks about, um, get out of my space, get out of my face. Those mean, ugly thoughts, I will not give a place. That's... It's one of my favorite, favorite parts of the book. And so I'll tell you why. Because I, like I said, I wrote that in half an hour. And it was already illustrated and published before I was reading in the Book of Mormon where um, Nephi is having his lament, you know, Nephi's lament. And he says, almost, not in my words, but in those words, that he will no longer give a place 
course, Satan and his uh, destructive thoughts that have been coming into Nephi's um, into Nephi's heart. You know that he was listening too much to the adversary, and then he says, "I'm not going to give you a place anymore." And the Spirit just bore witness to me again that this um, book that I was written um, was inspired and that um, that I don't have to give a place to even worry anymore about um, who reads it, how they read it, what gets um, done with it, that the Lord's got his hand in this book and um and that it's really okay if the people that um i really you know want to force it down their throats and they don't want to take it don't take it because the lord has a work for that book and it's all good you know um i um Karen, I don't know how to tell you how that made me feel to know that, that this book was accepted by, of the Lord. And that's why that's my favorite part of the book is because the spirit bore witness to me that this was his um, doing. And I just got to be his instrument. It's so special. Yeah, just to reiterate, um, um, that line, get out of my face, get out of my space. All those mean, nasty thoughts, I will not give a place. Um, the cool thing about this book too is that you go on to tell people what they can do instead. Because it's like, no, you're gonna have the thoughts. It's not like you can stop the thoughts from ever happening, you're gonna have them. But here's what you can do with your agency and the other principles that we learn it, learned in our Eternal Warriors class together about um, setting up a practice that you do over and over and over again. You know, we call that drills or flagpoles, right? Or having um, an antidote to those feelings that grow inside us, that take us to do things that would like hit people or push them down. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Or think, what little kids would do. <laughs> right. You know, or, or do something that, that was naughty, you know, or think about thoughts about ourselves that we're not a good person and, or that, you know, we don't measure up or that um, we should just stay in bed. You know, all those things. Um, it just addresses all the kinds of thoughts you might be thinking and opens it up for them to imagine what they would be for themselves. And it makes it so, because you use so many examples, it makes it so obvious that a parent could totally stop and just discuss something with their child as they're reading this about their own personal situation or struggle or dynamic that they're struggling with. And then identify that there's really only one enemy here. And it's not, I'm not your enemy and you're not my enemy. We have an enemy. And and what's happening is inside our thoughts, they're growing our feelings so big that we want to not be nice. Do you know what I mean? We want to not be nice. But you take us through the warrior chemistry piece of it as well. And, and just at a childlike level, teach that, because um, there's that push warrior chemistry, that 
push energy or that, hey, get out of my face, get out of my space. I'm telling you where to take that naughty thought. This is my body and I get to use it the way I want to use it. These are my thoughts and I get to choose my thoughts. And I can tell when you're there and I can kick you out. So you address that, that push or hard energy of warrior chemistry that is an antidote to a mood battle that we have. Um, but you also address the pull energy or the, um, you know, the soft warrior chemistry where it's a strong, meaningful, purposeful connection. Something that allows the spirit of who we really are to come in that place. Um, and, you know, you, instead of doing that, once I catch you, it says, and then I give Sarah a big hug instead. And I tell her I love her. It's the thing, it's the thing they dread. And then it says, um, um, then they leave me alone until, until they try something new. But because of my trick, that's why it's called Rebecca's trick. But because of my trick, I know just what to do. So it's not these thoughts are, th I'm just educating you about the thought. I'm also teaching you the skill or the trick. Do you have anything you'd like to add about that? Yes, I am not a child. I am 58 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> and I still use Rebecca's trick. <laughs> just, especially if a thought comes to me more than once in a day, I stop and say, okay, let's flip that. That's what I call it now. I think that's what you still call it. Mm -hmm. Let's flip that. I am not going to keep hearing you. And um, anyway, so yes i use my own trick but it's not my trick it's the lord's trick he's so so directed all of that and um and i use it i use it constantly and um it's a great great been a great asset to me in the last six or seven years that we've been doing this right so just the whole yeah what do you mean by flip it just describe what you mean by I flip it. So um, I've I've been obese my whole life. Been you know it's just been a battle I've always constantly had. So when I look in the mirror and I hear that voice, you're never going to be thin, or you're just fat. Get over it. You're just fat. Just you know those kind of thoughts. You know I'll flip it and say, this is just my temporary body. I mean you know. That might be true. I might not ever get thin in this life, but boy, I've got eternity where I'm going to be perfected. And I love that thought. I just remind myself, I've got eternity where I'm going to be perfected. And I'm going to still try for that in this life. But you're not going to make me feel bad about who I am anymore. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, that that's what a flip looks for me. You know, I can take whatever it is I'm hearing and I can say, okay, well, this is what truth is. Truth is, is that I'm not going to, this is not going to be reality forever. You know, this is my truth. Um, I do the same thing with when my husband, um, he has a problem with numbers and time. He gets that wrong all the time. And so he will say some really outrageous things to people. 
at church that they they don't know him in Arizona. People in Mountain Green knew him, you know, and they know oh, this is the brain damage coming out. But people that are new to him have no idea, you know, what's going on. Um, and and the adversary really loves to beat me up about that. Uh, he'll want me to, you know, he'll just say, you need to correct him. You need to, to tell uh, what's the truth out here. But I've learned that, no, I don't need to humiliate him or even explain. Um, it doesn't matter. So I just remind myself too, is that, you know what? Mike is who he is and I love him. And I remind myself who he is and will be. Again, I, um, I, I just think of him as being this cute old man who says outrageous things <laughs> that, that, and I don't make any excuses for or try to cover that up anymore at first. I mean, it took me a while to realize that that was Satan trying to make me be embarrassed of my husband and, and just realizing that's just, I, I don't need to humiliate him. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to demean him and make him feel bad and have me correct him all the time. And that's another thing that, that Karen's really taught me. Stay in my own lane. Just stay in my own lane. <laughs> and it's been a great tool because I, I have so much more peace. But flip, flip the negative about, you know, being embarrassed by him and just really realizing that what a champion he is and, and who he really is and, and focusing on those things really helps me. And, you know, there's a tool that we use too, like the truth tool. Um, and part of that truth tool is, you know, first you recognize I'm being lied to. That's a lie. That's not me in my divine goodness as Heavenly Father's daughter or son. Coming up with that thought by myself, like anything that would sound like something I would not say out loud to a child that I love out loud. If that sound, if I'm hearing things like that in my head that I would never say to a child out loud, that is not me. That's not coming from a trusted voice. And then the whole restore your truth, say what's really true. So you flipping it is, you know, saying, no, I'm not going to allow that lie to grow inside me or to keep entertaining it. I'm going to say what's really true. And then what I wanted to ask you what you thought about the next two steps of the truth tool. So the first step is catch the lie. The second step is, you know, restore the truth, say what's really true. But the third step is so huge, and so is the fourth step, because you can argue all day with a bully on a playground and say, uh-uh, this is what's really true about me, but Satan is such a brain bully, right? It's just mm. constant and relentless, and it always comes back around at a different angle. Uh, so for us to be able to kick him out and tell him to be gone um, requires some redeeming light, right? Not, not just the very thought of truth, but redeeming light. And so it's bring our Savior and champion into the battle with you. Bring him onto the playground like you would, you know, if you've ever been bullied, you can totally relate to this. Like, I'm going to go get my big brother. 
I'm going to go get my dad. And then you are going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to go get father and, and the son. And then you are going to leave. So it's knowing that I fight my battles with and for Jesus Christ. And he redeems this. He helps me to get rid of this. Um, so there's that piece. And then the next piece is, you know, to use your body. Like you, this is my weapon, the weapon you will never have, the weapon I have that you will never have. This is my weapon. And here's how I will use my body to, um, as an antidote. So this whole truth tool process is, it's an antidote to these ke this chemical imbalance I'm having with all of these feelings growing and wanting to do something that's out of my values. So tell me what you've learned about those next two pieces. You are brilliant. Oh, I'm not brilliant. I'm what I am is um, I'm receptive. I I've been very blessed in that um, because I'm a, I like to learn that I'm open. And so I think the Lord's able to teach me things. But one of the biggest things that um, with that third step in bringing the Savior in is, um, and it actually started with my son, Brett, who was coming off of his mission. And I was so wanting to make sure that he didn't um, forget who he was. And so um, I was praying about what could I do? And then um, I was inspired to make a poster of all the little um, quips in his patriarchal blessing or and his setting apart from when he was on his mission um, and put a list of how God sees him. And it, uh, I just was brought to tears because my eyes were opened to how God saw him. And then I, I just knew that it would help me to know how God sees me. And so I did the same thing for myself. And those became my declarations. The truth, I knew God couldn't lie. So writing my own little declarations wasn't going to cut it for me. Um, I needed to know how God saw me. And so I've been very, very blessed that my father gave us a father's blessing. Every year at the end of our sister's retreat, I have six sisters, so seven girls. And at the end of every year, we would have a little week-long retreat, and my dad would give us a blessing. So I took quips from my father's blessings and from my patriarchal blessings and from some of the blessings that um, were given to me during the time Mike had a stroke that I had recorded so that I could write down the truth. Uh, about who I was um, and how God saw me. Um, and that was so empowering because I knew that that would be one of the weapons that I could use against the adversary because I could just come up with one of those lines. Oh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. You know, whenever I would hear a lie, I... I and I use that every day still too, pretty much almost every day. Not he, He's trying to find new ways to get me because he doesn't get me in those ways very often anymore because I'm too wise to his, his uh, attacks. But um, 
so that's one of the biggest things too that I've I've used with that and then um, remind me again what the fourth step was this is my weapon this yeah so so making that list and doing that was was uh, how I knew I stood with Christ and then my weapon has been absolutely that when I'm being bombarded with the thought that I can't seem to shake um, I I pull those weapons out I say uh, it's like it's like when Christ was um, you know the three temptations or when he fought back with scripture you know these are my scriptures these are my personal scriptures that the Lord has taught me about me and I fight back with those scriptures. Um, can, you, can you tell us what one sounds like? Oh gosh, um, I'm trying to think of what's happened. Okay, yes, absolutely. How could I forget this? This is so big. Um, 18 months ago, our um, retirement fund in its whole, $175,000, was stolen through identity theft when i when i tried to see what could be done about it there was no recourse we were not insured the um retirement fund was not insured and the um the help i sought with the the um government the police i i had senators and congressmen that i'd contacted and all of them were trying to recover this um money for me and none of it worked but um i had a little faith crisis in the first few weeks just a really major um attack like all of this is a big lie the lord um isn't gonna help you you're just been fooled all these years but um, one of the things that I kept going back to was a line that my father had said um, almost I think I probably had 17 recorded uh, documentation that he said the Lord has not forgotten his promise that if you pay an honest tithe you will never have to worry about money well, of course, I thought about that when Mike had his stroke. Of course, I held on to that during that whole year and a half that he wasn't working. But when my TSP money, my retirement fund was stolen, and I did not have any hope of it ever being restored, I lost heart for just a while. Like I said, it only was about two weeks where I got so blasted but i started reading all those blessings again and i started remembering how the lord blessed me when my cat is stroke and how miraculously through all of his you know uh medical bills hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills we still were able to meet all of our obligations financially and i did not have to go to work to support us um, and then I caught hold of that again. I caught hold of that, that, uh, weapon. No, I've been promised and I've been promised more than just once. 
I've been told time and time and time again that the Lord would not make it so I had to worry about money. And so then I had to make a choice. And this is where um, using my body, my mind, my whatever, my agency to make a choice. And it, it took about, I think it was more like six weeks into it. I said, okay, I have to make a choice. Am I going to believe the Lord? Am I going to believe that he says I don't have to worry about money? So then I went through a little process. If I don't need to worry about money, what would I do? Because at the time, I mean, I had no money because it's hard to live on Social Security without your retirement fund. So I thought to myself, what would I do if I didn't have to worry about money? And this is what the thought came to me. I would double my fast offerings. So I doubled my fast offerings. And then I thought, what would I do if I didn't have to worry about money? I would go out to eat with my husband because that's a big thing for him. He loves to go out to eat. So I started going out to eat once a week with him and, and it, the process went. And as I started doing that and loosening up my fear um, about the money and letting it go and using it in a way that I would do if I didn't worry, my worry really did go away and I knew that somehow some way and I didn't know how or when or why um, all this happened but I knew that this was one of my major tests even bigger than Mike's stroke was that my money had been taken from me and um, I'm happy to report 18 months later with no rhyme or reason or any explanation whatsoever, we got word that the government was going to replace that money and put it back into our account. So that's been a big blessing, and the Lord fulfilled his promise to us. And I learned that I could count on him and, and that um, he would stand by me, and he did stand by me, and I was blessed. Beyond my expectations, I've been blessed. So, oh, that's so, it's like shut the front door. Amazing. I love that story. Oh, Kelly, that's so cool. When, um, just that, this is my weapon. What have you learned about using your body and how important that is to win battles? It's your body is um, a weapon Satan will never have. Yes, yes. Okay, so as you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Early in my um, power goals, one of my things was um, trying to exercise was on my power goal. Not my power goals, my, my girl goal list, but it was on my, my calendar, you know, doing my body thing. And I really noticed really noticed that um when i was starting to get discouraged about things that uh as i would like my house was a mess and i used to just say okay we're done here so i would just turn on the music as loud as i could 
and it was 50s rock and roll music. I love 50s rock and roll music. And I would dance and clean at the same time. And by the end of two hours, I used to do it for like two hours. So I would clean and then for one minute, I would do burpees. And then I would clean and then for the next moment, I would do football runs or whatever I did. But I was able to just get the whole house so clean and so um, heart rate up. Everything was so awesome because uh, it was a fight. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to use any more excuses. You know, we're going <laughs> to use this body and I'm not just going to do the exercise. I'm going to clean the house and exercise because I wanted to really stick it to Satan. I was so mad. Um, when I would do that, it really helped me. And I still, I still go to the gym all the time, but I don't get mad hardly ever anymore. I've, I've learned how to get it quicker to the point that I, I mean, I catch him much quicker to the point that I don't have to um, reverse a spin. It's so rare that I get in a spin anymore. That's so good. Oh, thank you for that. I wanted to touch on one more thing in your book. And really, my time's up, but don't worry. I just don't want to not put this in there. So you're, you, um, another tool you give in your book that, you know, doesn't come out in the Like Dragons Did They Fight book or, you know, in our Eternal Warriors class. It's something you personally felt inspired to put in your book that is like, not only are there negative thoughts that come into your mind. There's also these amazing people who love you so much. They're putting positive thoughts into your mind because they are like your little guardian army, right? Like you don't say it like that, but tell us a little bit about that piece of your book. Oh my goodness. Yes. We have people on the other side who are constantly trying to lift and bless and help us. And I know that, that some people are, are probably uh, who've read the little book um, wonder why I didn't say the Holy Ghost. But I am a firm believer that the Holy Ghost does do his job. But I'm also a firm believer that there are people on the other side who want to help us and who know our struggles. And um, the first, I call them little angel whisperers. The first time I ever really recognized an angel whisper, um, and this was pre-my husband's stroke, but it was so powerful to me that I knew that this was a true principle. I was on a pioneer trek. Um, and my feet, I had rubbed off my toenails. They hurt so bad. They were bleeding. They were throbbing. I was, uh, probably five, six miles still away from, um, making it to the home base where we were going to be. And everybody had left me in the dust. I was walking alone, alone. And I just started to cry. And, um, I heard in my head you can do this. We did this and you're not alone. We're here with you. And I was able to pick up those very tired, sore, bleeding feet and keep on going. And I knew I wasn't alone. And I knew I'd heard them talking to me and helping me. And I got strength from them um, to get to the, the base camp. And when Mike did have his stroke, I felt them again. 
and I knew that they were there helping me get through another hard time. And I know that they're still here. I ask for their help all the time. I'm always asking for their help to remind me of things. Um, I, um, it's part of my morning routine is to ask Heavenly Father, please allow my angels um, that can be spared to be with me today. I've got a, a big thing coming up. I actually ask for them to be with me today to remind me of things that um, I'm, I wanted to say in this podcast. So, mm. yeah, I believe there are angels among us, and I, I don't just believe it. I know it, and I've felt them, and I've heard them, and... I love them and I thank them for the help that they give me. I'm going to read this page from your book. It says, and in case you were worried, I hear good voices too. I call them my guardians and they tell me what's true. Guardians are my family who went back to heaven, like my great grandpa Jones and my dad's uncle Nevin. It's easy to tell when your guardians are around. They whisper nice things without making a sound. I hear thoughts like, you're awesome, you're talented and sweet. Keep going, don't give up. You aren't meant for, de for defeat. So uh, I invite you who are listening to this podcast to check out these books. Um, it would be so worth your time to just apply them to your own personal battles uh, because really we have to meet uh, the battles that we have in a childlike way, not just in a ferocious way, but in a way that says, I can't do this all by myself. I need some help. Um, just like I needed Kelly's help to come take my class and Kelly needed my help to learn the principle that um, not every voice in your head is a trusted voice, like I had finally learned and how that had changed my life. But the principles uh, that are taught here in the classes that we teach for families, for individuals, um, in the programs that we have that support the families uh, of people who are participating in the programs that we have at Life Changing Services, there's just so much available for you to learn, not just your loved one who might be in an addiction recovery group, but just life-changing principles. How has this, Kelly, I'll let you say as we go out, and we are definitely having a part two to this podcast. There's way too much to go into from what you said earlier. And, um, but yeah, but, there's just so much to talk about and how you applied the things that you've learned through the spirit and um, living the gospel and these things you've learned and how they've enhanced your ability to win your personal battles. So many things to, to keep talking about. So we're having a part two, but um, just, yeah. If, if you were to say, you know, this is, what I've learned about why it's important to know why I fight and why I don't give up. I would say this. I can remember what it was like not to have peace. And I never, ever want to go there again. I have found a way to find peace 
in the most horrific storms. And that would be why I continue to fight, why I never give up. We always talk about that. Why do I fight and why don't I give up? And that is why, because you can have peace and it doesn't matter what's happened on around you. You can have it. And I love that I know how to find it. And I know that it is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's where I turn my attention. And I've learned how to do that through the skills that um, are taught in these classes. And that's what I would want to say. Thank you, Kelly.